Hi everybody and uh, welcome to The Finish Room with uh, Murray Markoff. My name is uh, Joey Maisel and uh, we're really looking forward to starting this series of podcasts with you today. Um, uh, my guest, the fabulous Murray Markoff. Uh, uh, no introduction is really needed, but I'm going to give you one anyway. Uh, Murray Markoff is a former a world champion, former uh uh, uh, two-time tag champion, a uh, one-time continental champion, and uh, we're so happy to have him here today. Uh, uh, how you doing, Moe? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good to be here. It's, it's nice to talk to you. I don't really do many of these podcast thingies, but I'm happy to be here and talking about things and, uh, ready to get started. Great, uh, and, and just to give people a little bit of background, uh, I've known Murray for, uh, I'd say about two years now? Two years now? Yeah, that, that sounds about right. And, uh, we've, we've kind of been up and down the, the circuit together, uh, and, uh, I, I really thought it would be a good idea to bring some of the, the historical knowledge that you have of the industry from being a performer, uh, in the ring, uh, a manager, and working behind the scenes as a writer, uh, uh, a producer for for these shows. But today's podcast is we're going to go back to your very first pay-per-view performance for the WWWAA, um, the World Wrestling Wrestlers Association of America. Uh, in July of 1999, it is the Battle in Battenberg, uh, North Carolina, and this is the famous pay-per-view because this is the uh, the blood, poop, and puke pay-per-view, the BPP, PPV, uh, if you will, uh, because something happens in basically every single one of these matches, and if you haven't caught it on yet, it's uh, mainly puke, poop, and uh, uh, blood. Yeah, that's right. This one, uh, th- I gotta say, this for for such an early show, this is something that people ask me about a lot. And, uh, I guess I'm happy to talk about it, so, so let's get it on. All right, great, Let, let's, ding, ding, let's do it. <laughs> so, uh, the, the pay-per-view starts, and we've actually got a, a car commercial, uh, with you and Big Henry, uh, and you guys are, uh, selling some cars for a local car dealership. Uh, you stand to kind of, you don't really see these kinds of commercials, uh, anymore on such a big scale, maybe locally, um, but, uh, you guys used to do a lot of these? Yeah, we, we did one or two. It's part of the whole thing. It's how the whole thing was funded. You, you gotta remember back then the wrestling was a much more, uh, local situation. And doing these things for people, uh, we, we tend to really, uh, find that it worked well, uh, to not only publicize our show, but publicize these businesses. And I guess, I guess the businesses did too, cause they used to bring us in all the time. Great, great. So, uh, 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 we then see the crowd, which is, it's midday, North Carolina. It's, it's much more of a, a family affair, it seems. There's a lot of picnickers, there's a lot of people, and, uh, they seem to be enjoying themselves. Oh, we're fine, we're fine. Um, and, and it's a real family atmosphere, but there's not a lot of people there yet. Uh, there will be, end up being, uh, about, uh, what was that, uh, 15,000 people at that show? I think it was more like 14, if I remember, but I could be wrong. I don't know what the official numbers are. Yeah, I think it was about 14, 15,000 uh, uh, people at the show. and uh, But at that point, they're, they're still kind of half full. They're still filling up. 
Uh, so it looks a little empty. And the, the first match of the night is, uh, Mr. Canada versus Tokyo Bob. Uh, Mr. Canada, of course, uh, being accompanied by his lovely valet, Miss Alberta. Um, so just to set, let, set the scene here, uh, Mr. Canada, of course, at this point is, is a big heel. Uh, it's, it's a show in North Carolina in the South, so that's kind of what you would expect. Uh, Miss Alberta is looking fabulous. Uh, and, but Tokyo Bob isn't really getting much of a reaction here either. So what, 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 tell us what your memory of, of Mr. Canada and Tokyo Bob was. Well, Mr. Canada, uh, was obviously a heel. Uh, if I remember correctly, he was from Lithuania, not Canada, as was kind of traditionally the case in these circumstances. But I, I don't really know why you would book, uh, a Canadian heel against a Japanese wrestler in the South and expect to get any reaction whatsoever. That was really dumb. I, I do not know whose decision that was, and that was really stupid. Because Mr. Canada was already an established uh, heel. Like, he was a whiny complainer, but he would have some fire and beat you up. So nobody really... Nobody was going to cheer him, even though he's, you know, closer to the U.S., I guess, than than, than Tokyo. But uh, nobody was going to cheer for this Japanese fellow either, who was kind of not even, like, intimidating. He was kind of a small guy. Um, but, yeah, so there's very little reaction from the crowd here. They do definitely hate Mr. Canada, but they I, they can definitely not be said to like Tokyo either. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. That's true. And uh, Mr. Canada, uh, Mr. Canada went on from this to do some more stuff. But uh, um, tell us a little bit about Miss Alberta. So, oh God, Miss Alberta was the valet of Miss Canada, obviously, and she was a very, very attractive lady. The kind of lady you kind of fall in love with the first time you meet her, and from that point on, you can't. You can't goddamn stand the lady like she was. She was a royal pain in the ass, uh, to put it lightly. And she, uh, well, she was not liked by the locker room, and she didn't care much either. She was one of these people brought in from outside wrestling because they had a relationship at the time, and she didn't really enjoy it. She she lasted about eight months, I think, six, eight months. I'm not really sure, but, um... Yeah, I, let me just put it like this. That thing that Randy Orton is famous for doing whatever, allegedly doing to that lady's handbag, that that happened first bef- a long time before that incident, mainly to Miss Alberta and mainly quite a lot. So, yeah, that that was that situation. Oh, right, right. <laughs> and, and what about Tokyo Bob? What, what's your memories of uh, Tokyo Bob? Well, my main memory of Tokyo Bob is this match, but I would like to point out that although they, they, Tokyo Bob would generally be booed for, for being a Japanese fellow, Tokyo Bob was actually from Michigan, and he was a nice guy. Uh, and what happens in this match was kind of a shame, you know? Okay, so, uh, let's, so they make the entrances, and as you said, uh, nobody really gets much of a reaction. Uh, they're booing Mr. Canada, but they're definitely, they're not into Tokyo that much. And, um, 
what's interesting here is they, they tie up and uh, they go back and forth a little bit. Um, uh, Mr. Canada definitely trying to get some heat on Tokyo. Uh, Tokyo kind of doing a little bit of babyface fire, but n again, to little to no reaction from the crowd. And what's strange here is there was a ref bump uh, in this match, which is the first opening match of the show. What's your opinion on that? It's, it's fucking stupid. Let's be honest. I mean, I, you, a magician does not walk into a show, pull out all of his tricks before he even does them. Like, it's just dumb. So, could you, could you explain that a little bit further? Like, like why is, is it bad to have a wet bump uh, so early? I mean, I don't think I really have to explain it. But basically, there's no point in having things like getting color or ref bumps or whatever. There's no point doing all those things from the beginning of the show. Because then when you actually have, especially in a match like this, it's just open and nobody gives a shit. Nobody's going to see these guys wrestle again. So, like, by doing that, if it happens again later in, the, in an important match... It doesn't mean it means less because you haven't established that that's a thing that doesn't happen. You've already said, "Oh, by the way, this happens." So when it happens later, it's less shocking. It's, it's basically, I mean, it's it's common fucking sense, you know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so then uh, we get. It's not, there's not much to note in this match. Uh, they they fight a bit more. Uh, uh, particularly, uh, uh, Tokyo gets, uh, pushed into a corner by Mr. Canada, uh, and then he pushes him out, and then he does his, f uh, his finishing move, which, uh, at the time was, uh, a bit like the Undertaker's, uh, old school, uh, and, and, and explain what happens here, uh, it's, it's, explain what happens. So, the move was that Tokyo would step up on the uh, on the turnbuckles backwards, and then with with uh, the other guy in an arm lock, uh, very similar as you said the way the ticket does old school. And he was jump off and and smack the other guy, and the other guy would go down, and then he would pin him. But what happens here is Tokyo does that, and as he flies off. The top turnbuckle. Um, Canada's. Uh, he lets go, and his arm kind of. Tokyo lands like directly on his arm. So what happens is. He pushes the bone. His forearm. He pushes his forearm directly. Out of his arm, like through the skin, breaks the skin, and the bone is pushed directly, it, like basically his forearm takes a step to the left about a foot. So he's now got his hand where his elbow is and a wide piece of bone sticking out of his arm. Obviously there's a lot of blood and it's fucking disgusting, let me tell you. I mean, it's on the recording, you got it's it's kind of blurred off, and they don't really look at it a lot. But I was there, and it was it was disgusting. Yeah, uh, it's pretty it's pretty gross, even on the the sensible recording. And uh, 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 um, so 
what happens now is Mr. Canada goes pale white and uh, he sits down and he looks like he's going to pass out but in, in all due respect to him he does not um, Tokyo on the other hand just instantly starts projectile vomiting all over the wing like vomits and the referee he's vomiting to uh, the front crowd is, is, is vomiting there's a lot of vomit and blood all over the place, and uh, uh, but uh, in, in all kudos to the, the two, they they finished the match. Uh, he he lies down and he, he counts to one, two, three. Yeah, well, it was it was North Carolina uh, in 1989. You finished the goddamn match. You know, it didn't really matter what happened. You're supposed to finish the match. I mean, later on in the pay per view, we see that doesn't always happen. But uh, yeah, that's what's supposed to. So. Yeah, but let me tell you, they cleaned the the ring off or whatever, the, but the mat was so soaked with vomit, and this was a hot day, that the smell just rose up. And if you notice throughout the rest of the show, all the boys try and avoid that corner as much as possible, partly because it's kind of superstitious voodoo or something, but also because the smell was fucking disgusting. And, and frankly... Nobody wanted to be in that mat. I believe they just burned that mat. <laughs> At least that's what they said they were going to do. It was disgusting. Okay. Uh, 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 in the next match... Uh, uh, what, no, before we go on to the next match, Mr. Canada, what happened to him after this? I mean, obviously he had a very severely broken arm. So, yeah, Mr. Canada, um, he went and got it fixed up. He came back. And as I said, Miss Alberta was with him for like another six months. But he was always a fairly solid worker. Always got a little bit of heat. Um, after this, he was never such a good, good in the ring. And he very quickly uh, retired into doing commentary for his shows. Uh, I'm sure we'll cover one of his shows where he's on commentary later. But still. Uh, Tokyo... He actually ended up working in Japan a lot, uh, and I think he, he it helped because he spoke uh, English. He actually ended up kind of working in their office as sort of a translator and, and getting talent back and forth, and I had a very successful career up there. So, yeah. Okay, uh, so the next match was uh, a tag match. Uh, the Sully Brothers versus Clyde Sparrow and Jeebus Sesu. Uh, the Sully Brothers were Jake and James, and um, uh, what were the Sully Brothers like? Oh, the Sully Brothers were good old boys. They were they were rough as shit. Uh, they were big, big Southern fellas. Uh, and uh, if you don't know already, they were white supremacists. They were they were full out Nazis. Yep, uh, they were. Uh, we'll go into that a little bit more later. But uh, Clyde's, they were just well, their gimmick at this point was was uh, just good old Southern boys, quick. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall them playing anything else. Oh no, well maybe, maybe when they first started, but yeah, they were pretty much always the kind of farmer type Southern boys, and it worked well for them pretty much. Clyde Sparrow uh, was was uh, playing sort of a, a witch guy uh, as as his main gimmick for for most of his career. Um, and at this point, Jeeves Cecil was his sort of uh, butler-turned-tag uh, partner, who he kind of would berate throughout the matches and, and tweet badly. Now, see, this match is, is best known because this is the match that Jeeves turns against uh, Sparrow. 
Isn't that correct? Well, yeah, it is. It is known because of that, but also because of the incident after the pay-per-view with Sully Brothers, uh, which... But if you want to go into the... Do you want to go into the match first, or do you want to talk about that? Let's, let's go into the match first. So, the Sully Brothers... Um, the Sully Brothers... Uh, come in first, and then Clyde and Sparrow Jeeves, uh, the Sully Brothers just kind of come in to a really good reception. Uh, Sparrow and Cecil come in and get booed, and, um, Sparrow is already kind of picking on Cecil, and, uh, 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 uh like, coming in and, f- when Cecil tries to get in the ring, you know, forcing Cecil to open the ropes for him and all that kind of good stuff, and, um, and then they start the match, and, uh, it's very much the Sparrow Brothers in control. Uh, uh, sorry, it's very much the Sully Brothers in control uh, for a good chunk of the match until uh, the dastardly deeds of Sparrow start to uh, play a good chunk. And then, uh, out of nowhere, Sparrow takes a, uh, a f- straight forearm from uh, James Sully and Jeebus is not concentrating and doesn't break up the pin and they lose and then after that uh the Sully Brothers leave and Sparrow is picking on Cecil and uh Cecil ends up uh beating up uh, uh Sparrow uh, slapping him and walking off uh, to a, a rapier surprise yeah I mean this gimmick is always a big a big fan favorite that the servant turns on his master kind of gimmick it was I mean, the match was a pretty standard tag match. You know, to be honest, neither of these guys ever, none of these guys ever really pulled off much of a good match, but it was a match, you know. Fuck, it did the job. It was a mid-card match uh, to keep people entertained, and these were popular boys around this neighborhood, so it worked fine. Okay, uh, so uh, what exactly happened? Tell us what happened after the show uh, with the Sully Brothers. Uh, what what happened? So, okay. The Silly the Brothers, as I said, Jake and James, were a pair of Nazis. They were a pair of shit. Like, I don't know for certain that they were in the KKK, but let me just say this. They were in the KKK, all right? And after the match, they corner some black fella in the parking lot, and uh, they go to try and beat him up. And... Uh, and this black fella happened to be an ex-marine or, or something like that and ends up kicking the ever-loving shit out of particularly Jake, but also James. Um, they all get arrested. Uh, the Fairly unsurprisingly for being the South in 1989, uh, Jake and James get away. Uh, they don't really get charged. Nothing really comes of it, uh, but... And being the industry that we work in and make our money from, uh, especially in those days, uh, no, th- no repercussions at all for the Sully Brothers, Jake and James. They get uh, booked. Nobody, The crowds don't really care, uh, despite it being a pretty big news story at the time. And, yeah, that that's what happened. Yep, uh, okay. Uh, these days, I, I think the fans are a little bit more uh, have sullied, if you will, <laughs> On the, the Sully Brothers, and I, I know they, they'd stopped doing appearances um, at, at signings and stuff uh, in the last couple of years because of the fact, because of th- those things. 
Yeah, and good, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I didn't know the guys that well, but, you know, fuck them. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so what's, the ne what's next? Alright, so the, the next, uh, match is between Sally Bequette, uh, Anderson, versus Allison, uh, Gardner. Uh, so tell me about these two. Tell me about this, these two. Well, uh, Sally, the cat, uh, the whole point of, the whole reason that these two were booked, these two used to travel together and they basically fought all over the South at this point. If you happen to notice, she is Sally, the cat, Anderson, and the other person is Allison Gardner. So, if you shouldn't, it's, it's Allie. So, it's Allie and Cat, Allie Cat, and they're fighting, and they're women, so they're having a cat fight. It, it was a pretty solid gimmick, but it weren't the smartest thing I've ever heard in my life. But it was a pretty solid thing, and they, they used to make a lot of money just going back and forth. Back then, there wasn't much of a uh, pay for women. There wasn't much of a women's division. So, they basically just would be brought in as the, the paid women's match for, for that particular show on that particular night. Uh, but uh, the re the thing is, uh, this fight got a little bit out of hand. Yeah, uh, what exactly happened? Because they come out, they look a little strange. They don't look like they're enjoying it quite as much. And they get in the wing and uh, they, uh, they, they, they beat each other up. They It doesn't look like a wrestling match. It looks more like something you would uh, uh, see on the UFC these days. Like, they really take it to each other. There's no real wrestling moves, just one or two. And they smack the ever-loving shit out of each other, which is ironic, considering what happens later in the show. Uh, but they they really beat on each other here. It's pretty brutal to watch. Uh, what, what, what was going on? Okay. So let me just tell you this. Let me just tell you. Um, there's been a few rumors throughout the years that this was a real shoot fight, and it was. Uh, it was definitely a shoot fight, but that it was because of uh, like a lover's fight, either between them or because of some fella that they were both seeing. Um, but th th that, as far as I know, is not true. What I do know to be true is that back then, um, uh, okay, the way that the boys split up gas money is typically that you'll just pay, the, one person will pay and then the next person will pay for gas. It don't matter if you're driving 100 miles or if you're driving 5 minutes. Whoever's next turn it is is the next turn. And then um, you, after 6 months or whatever, you figure it works itself out, you know. Some people are very fastidious and kind of anal about it. And we'll save receipts and and calculate it all out and figure it out. These girls uh, travel a lot together, and I guess they had just done two big stints, and there was a bit of confusion about who was the last lady to pay, and it had kind of blown up into a situation. So they had actually been arguing ever since they got out the car that day, started fighting before they even got in the ring backstage, came out to the ring, continued to fight, and beat the, and yeah, they, they, they whooped each other <laughs> pretty bad. But as far as I know, they didn't take anything out of the ring, and uh, after that, the argument was considered settled. 
So, yeah, that's that's the story as far as I know it, and I was there, so there we go. Okay, so yeah, so the cat uh, wins by uh, pinfall victory, and uh, but to be honest, they, they both look pretty beaten up. So, uh, at this point, I would like to take a little commercial break uh, and say that would you like to stop at the shoe stop? You will be stop, dropping, and shopping for a new pair of shoes at the shop stop. Come by the shop stop to get your new pair of shoes. They will get you shoes. If you mention this podcast at the shoe stop, you will get $4 off a new, brand new pair of shoes to make you the envy of your neighborhood. Oh, wow. Where did you get those handsome shoes? I would like a pair of those shoes, your friends and relatives will say. And you will say, I stopped, dropped, and shopped for a new pair of shoes at the shoe stop by mentioning the finish room with Maui Murkoff. Okay. So uh, the next match uh, is your match, finally. About damn time, too. Uh, and as I said, you're a young 20-year-old. This is your first pay-per-view uh, performance. Uh, it's pretty remarkable that you're so high up the car, given uh, the fact that you're so young and this is your first pay-per-view. Yeah, well, I've been around the circuit a little bit, um, but they just they just took a liking to me at this point, and I didn't argue with that. Um, and to be honest, it was a it was a big match for me. I mean, Ken, uh, the champ, was a a, a good guy, and he he really took a liking to me and was was very kind enough to go ahead and and take me under his wing and do this match. I mean. I didn't go over. Don't, don't. He was not going to let that happen. But you know, it was nice of him to do this for me. Okay. Yeah. And uh, well, if you don't know, Ken Peterson uh, is who we called Ken the Champ. He's, he wasn't actually the champ at this point, but he had been a uh, heavyweight champ for uh, 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 about uh, two years, uh, a few years, bef- a few years before this now. Uh, but um, in uh, nineteen eighty. Uh, to 1982. Uh, so he he was. Did you have a good relationship with him? How how? What was? Tell us about your relationship. I mean, we didn't know each other that well, but he just he just liked me. So we we uh, we wrestled a couple of times, and he seemed to like my style. I made it. I tried to make him look as good as possible, as you do as a young guy. You know, I tried to make him like me and take his moves real good and real sweet and. He was pretty snug, but uh, it worked out fine, you know. And so you, you at this time, you were uh, the sensational Maui. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, sensational Murray, no relation to the sensational Sherry. It was a fucking terrible gimmick. I mean, it was, I was just babyface. I was just babyface white meat, you know. I was just coming out fresh as a daisy, smiling, shaking hands, kissing mama's slapping babies, you know, all the things, and, uh, and, yeah, this, I mean, I was pretty young, so it worked out, uh, but it was, there was no substance to it at all. Yeah, you, you look pretty shaved up and pretty, uh, uh, ready to go. You remind me a lot of, uh, Sean Waterman, uh, as the one, two, three kid, you know, 
with the whole you, like that fresh look. Yeah. Okay. I, I see that. I can see that. I guess. So, uh, this match, uh, it's important to note that the referee was uh, Andrew W. And uh, tell us, tell us why that, why Andrew W. And what, what the the gimmick of this match? How you planned out this match? So, for those who don't know, Andrew W. used to be uh, a worker, and he was actually a tag guy with Ken Peterson. So particularly in this neighborhood so they knew who he was so the moment that he was the referee they knew that something was up um it, you might they don't really mention it on the commentary for whatever reason but that's what's going on in the match so they know that it's a bit strange that you know they're friends and it's obvious that they know each other and that i don't know him and we we don't react in the same way but the whole point is it's a slow screw uh, uh he's slowly screwing me out of the match because the story of the match is that ken is getting older and i'm a fresh baby face and i kind of take him a bit by surprise but he's too old to be gracious about it so he starts trying to screw me and andrew sees that his friend is losing so he he does the same thing uh unfortunately because i do get a good reaction but the champ never got a bad reaction in this neighborhood, so it doesn't quite work out as a, me being the face and him being the heel, but it does not work. And it's actually, I think it's a pretty good match, apart from what happens a little bit later, but I, I think it's a pretty good match myself, uh, if I do say so, for my for pay-per-view debut. Oh, I think it's a great match. Yeah, no, I think it's a great match. Um, so you come out and Ken comes out. Um, you guys lock up and, uh, as you said, you kind of take him by surprise a little bit and you do a leg sweep and an elbow drop and, uh, and a, a short stop elbow drop, uh, uh, just from, from the mat. And it's just a quick one, but the whole point is you kind of, uh, take him by surprise and, uh, Andrew does what could be considered a slow count. Um, yeah, it would, <sighs> that's the whole point is, is, it's a real slow screw. So like, it, it feels a little bit like a slow count, but at the same time, it might not have been. But he kicks out right at three, like right, and he looks shocked. He's, oh, like, I've taken him by surprise. I'm a little bit bigger competition than he thinks I'm going to be. So then he's a little bit more cautious when he comes up to me again, and he's like, okay, all right, I see I got a little bit of contender here, so let's get it on. And we start wrestling a little bit more, and... Then uh, a little bit later, you know, you notice that uh, W is pulling me off more than is pulling Peterson off. And, and I'm doing pretty well, and Peterson's getting a bit winded and is lo looking a little bit frustrated that he can't get me down. So the match continues, and then at some point, Andrew just flat out pretends to be distracted. But so I, I hit him with what was my finishing move at the time, which was a crossbody. And uh, I hit him with the crossbody. The audience is loving it. Um, and everyone's kind of surprised. They're like, oh, he's going to do it. But uh, it doesn't happen because Andrew is distracted. And quote marks. Uh, and that's when it's clear that I'm being screwed. Yeah, uh, they really, uh, the crowd is to you, your favorite. The crowd is really into this match at this point. And you really kind of do the turn uh, where they liken you, and they're, they don't dislike uh, Ken because 
of the facts that I think is kind of protected by W. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the point. Is that it wasn't you, they weren't trying to make Ken the bad guy here, so instead they kind of deflected and make W the bad guy. Yep. So, <laughs> excuse me. Yes. Yeah, so they realize what's going on. Uh, you get back up. You have words with W, and then you get thrown back into the corner. You climb up. You do the flying crossbody again. But uh, uh, tell us what happens. Okay, so I do the the flying crossbody, and he's supposed to catch me. He's supposed to catch me, and he's supposed to slam me. And W is supposed to do a bit of a fast count, and that's the end of the match. And it looks like I did pretty well, and I got a little bit screwed. But Ken still looks okay, but W looks like a piece of shit, you know. But what happens is I land awkwardly on his kind of a little bit further right than I should have been and I kind of land and he swings me over his shoulder to do a slam so that he can turn around and do a slam but when he slings me over I uh, I land directly on my stomach and I very obviously shit myself I shit my and not like a little bit like you see okay normally for matches I like to stay hungry for the match because you don't want to be too full before a match but you want some energy so I ate a little bit before but I only ate a little bit but before this match I ate quite a lot and because I had not eaten much that day and I was had no energy at all and uh, and there was a big sort of bowl of pasta or something and I ate it and uh, yeah it all came I just sh- I shat and it's very, very obvious on the recording. And uh, it was, there was a lot of shit. A lot. Yeah, you can see your, your tights just, uh, just swell out there. Uh, there's clearly brown leakage going on. Um, it's pretty disgusting. At that point, Ken realizes what's going on, throws you off. Of him and steps back, checking himself for poop. Uh, everybody's kind of a little bit shocked. Uh, it's it's pretty gross. It's it's the poop part of the uh, poop, puke and blood pay per view. It's it's definitely uh, it's definitely gross. So 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 what what happened then? So he clearly figures out what's going on, obviously. And instead of quite what we had in mind, I just kind of stand that will sit there in my own literally in my own shit and i stand up kind of clenching my butt cheeks together as i can feel the brown hot liquid trickle down my leg and i run at him and he kind of gives me like a a, 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 an elbow uh kind of an elbow lariat like a forearm and i go down and he just pins me but if you notice you, you've probably never seen uh, a pin that is not like a cocky pin uh, that where the guy touches the other guy as little as Ken touches me in this circumstance. And what's funny about it is we're kind of over at that side of the ring too where the puke is. So you got this puke and poop smell going on. And yeah, and then I kind of walk up the rank, ramp like... Uh, not that there's much of a ramp, but I, I walk up the entranceway like clench them up yeah it's disgusting i get back there and i am just 
there is I look like a baby who shat his diaper real bad, real bad. Um, yeah, it's definitely probably uh, one of the most famous incidences of your career. But in in all favor to you, the match before that happens is a very good match. So I, I think that that helps. Okay. So the uh, the headliner, the final of of this pay per view, is Big Henry versus Tobias the Giant. Uh, tell us a little bit about Big Henry and uh, Tobias. Well, these are the two heavyweights. Um, uh, Big Henry is the champ uh, and was the champ for about five six years at that point. <coughs> uh, he was a big guy. Uh, pretty good, good worker for his size, you know, he didn't do a lot in the ring, he didn't really have to, he, at that point, he didn't have to, just the fact that he was a big human specimen really helped, uh, Tobias the Giant, on the other hand, was a lousy piece of shit, and he could not wrestle at all, he could not work, he would just basically stand there, and would lock up with you, and expect you to do everything else, I, I never wrestled him myself, and he wasn't around for that long. Oh, sorry. There seems to be some kind of activity going on outside here. Uh, I don't know if any of you can hear that, but uh, run, Safavo. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, Tobias is is they got some hot few going on because they're two big guys, and back then that's all you needed. One guy's big, the other guy's go, well, you think you're big, I think I'm big, I'm bigger than you, I'm going to crush you. And that, that's all you need for a hot feud in the South back then, you know, and it worked. It sold tickets, and it sold tickets to this show for, for certain. It was a sellout, and everybody was happy to be there for, well, for most of it anyway. And then, yeah, so that's that's basically it. After this, Big Henry was the champion for about another year. And I think this is, I, I don't know. Is this the last uh, we see of Big Tob of Tobias the Giant in, uh, in the WWWAA? Yes, yeah, this is the last big match of Tobias the Giant here. He goes on and he does a few uh, one-off appearances in other, uh, in other companies, but he doesn't really do a whole lot much in other... He doesn't do any more big ones in other federations, really. Uh, so Big Henry... Uh, is is very much a fan favorite here, and they come out and we lock up, and they just wanted around a bit. Um, as you said, Tobias doesn't really move that much, so it's mainly Big Henry kind of running and running into him, and they're doing a big Haas match, and it's kind of big lockups and slapping each other and slamming each other into corners, but nobody's really going down. Um, and then they roll out onto the the ground and they're wrestling each other, and at some point, uh, somebody gets color. Uh, Tobias the Giant first, uh, gets a little bit of color, and then, uh, by throwing, by being thrown into the wing post by a Big Henry, and then Tobias, uh, rolls back in the ring, and Big Henry follows him, and Big, uh, Tobias does a big boot, uh. Well, that's a little bit generous. If you notice, Tobias just lifts up his leg, and Big Henry runs into it, but yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and uh, Big Henry uh, himself then gets a little bit of color, and I don't know what happens here, but they they then bleed, they bleed a lot, they bleed excessively. Um, I don't think I've ever seen 
so much blood in a match that does not involve barbed wire or thumbtacks or some kind of hell death match kind of scenario. Uh, there's definitely a lot of blood. Um, and the two guys, it's a mess. The ring is a mess. The mat is dyed red. It's kind of a pink color now. And uh, it's it's real ugly. Uh, it's uh, it's a lot of blood. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know whether they they hit a they took too many uh, uh, blood thinners beforehand or what, but they are bleeding out. I mean, literally. We were in the back. Everybody was like, "Holy shit, that's a lot of blood!" You know, they were losing a lot, a lot of blood. Yeah, and um, so. They go on for like another 10 minutes, again, slowly getting less and less active. Uh, if you can believe that from two big guys, they, they really stop running and kind of wind each other out. And then uh, Big Henry gets Tobias in a uh, headlock, and they lock up in the middle of the lane. And then, um, well, they just kind of stop moving for a long time. And uh, what, what happens here? Well, they just kind of, they pass out. They they flat out pass out from the blood loss. Now, they go on and say that, that Big Henry made Tobias pass out and there was a knockout and because they managed to kind of wake up Big Henry and he kind of staggers out. But in actual fact, they were both out. They were both out for about a, a minute before anybody really fucking realized. And this kind of deflates the crowd a little bit, if you notice. Yeah, the crowd is definitely deflated. Um, uh, to be honest, it's a very, uh, dull end to, uh, to a pay-per-view. Uh, nobody's really booing this, but everyone's a little bit confused. It actually comes off a little better on the recording, I think, uh, than from what I've heard in, in, from the reports. Of the, the reports kind of say that people just sort of walked away, but here it, it does feel like a conclusion. They put it over as a Big Henry kind of bloody battle and, and, Retaining the title and and going on, you know, and and he's going to go on and 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 biggest fight of his life kind of situation. But from the reports, it does seem that uh, the fans were pretty disappointed. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But hey, uh, everybody got paid, and the crowd had a good time, or at least everybody got paid for sure. Uh, but there we go. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it, right? Yep, uh, that's it for the first show. Thanks very much, uh, for coming to listen and to the battle in Battenberg, uh, with, in the, the finish room with Molly Markov. Uh, we're gonna see what the reaction is from this show. We might do some more, we might not do some more, but that, that paper really had everything in it. It had the, it had the, uh, the girls fighting. It had the Canada versus Tokyo. It had the the Nazis versus the snobs. It had the since debut of Sensational Moe. Uh It had the two big guys face off together. But more importantly, it had blood. It had puke, and it had poop in it. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, come back and listen to the Finish Room with Moe Morkoff. I've been uh, I've been uh, George Maisel. And we've been in, enjoyed talking to you for the last 40 minutes. So, yep, thank you very much, and you have a good night. Good night.